When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Thursdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herd at Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Special guest to get us kicked off a little earlier than normal. But we're excited to have him in his football den. Brandon Vogel of Counter Reed at Brandon L. Vogel. It's where you find him on Twitter as he'll be off to Champaign in uh, Nebraska, Illinois. Tomorrow, reminder, we'll be at the Herd at Sports Bar and Grill, 4 to 6. Then a watch party. Party. In a reaction show. It's not even Friday and I'm already slurring, Elijah. Forgive me, but we say hi to Brandon Vogel. Vogues, uh, what a a moment for Nebraska tomorrow night. Thank you for squeezing us in today. I got to ask you about schedule, though, my friend, as the Big Ten football folks laid out what 2024 through 2028 looks like. I want to go there and your immediate reaction to Nebraska's home and away as you look at it uh, completely here I go wow uh, that'll be some fun in Lincoln and on the road it, it needs to be some fun anyway yeah I think that's kind of the only approach to take like <laughs> you could think about an 18 team league in the abstract and be like well it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of easy weeks there um, just just generally but then you see the actual schedules and you're like wow <laughs> um, this will be a grind and it's going to be that way for, for really every team in the big 10. So at, at least there's, there's that piece of it, but you know, I thought the big 10 did a pretty good job. Um, all things considered with sort of their key scheduling points of we're going to try and get everybody to, to play a home and home with every other team within five years. Um, so that's, that's a positive, but yeah, you're just going to go. I mean, it's, it was a moment today where it felt a lot like the NFL. Like this isn't the college scheduling of old where, you know, you'll still get your three non-conference games and it'll be interesting to see how people deal with those. But um, you're just going to, you're going to have nine tough games a year for the most part. Um, And and that's how it's going to be in a, in a 16 team league. Brandon Vogel is, I get you. Brandon Vogel is with us and it is going to be, pretty gnarly and 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 that will be week to week and game to game and you're gonna have to be multiple flat out you're gonna have to be able to stop lincoln riley in five wide and four four dudes and you're also gonna have to flip around and be able to stop ground and pound michigan good luck and god bless if i'm a defensive coordinator yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's a huge thing. Um, 
you know, there's there's a general style of play in the Big Ten. So. Frankie's concerned. Uh, he, he, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a kind of base style of play in the Big Ten. Um, and you, you bring in a team like USC, it's completely different. I mean, if you look at any of the numbers right now, like Washington is – at or near the top in most of those offensively. Kalen DeBoer, obviously a guy with, with some Big Ten experience. Um, so it's good luck projecting the, the Big Ten next year, which we'll all try to do, you know, once we get into the offseason. But it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Um, it's it's kind of a almost a total upheaval, even though you're just adding four teams um, of I think everything that we know about the Big Ten to this point. It's Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska's new schedule. We're going to get into Nebraska-Illinois here in just a second. But, Brandon, what do you make of the fact that Nebraska playing both USC and UCLA, they're playing those California schools more than Oregon and Washington, and maybe that's Nebraska's West Coast rival, if you will. I think they're playing both of those teams three times over the next four years. And uh, What's your, your take on that maybe being the rivalry? Something tells me that Nebraska is going to be leading off their Big Ten slate next year with either USC or UCLA. And based on how many times Nebraska started the year away from home, I I might be betting on Nebraska-UCLA kicking off the Big Ten slate in week one. That's my early feel. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on on what a potential Nebraska-USC or Nebraska-UCLA West Coast rivalry would look like. Yeah, so I, I, honestly, my, my gut reaction to looking at the five years of the schedule that was presented was like, I would have liked to to see a little more Oregon and Washington in there. Um, although, although, well, maybe just Oregon. Um, I think the dream matchup for me would be Oregon and USC, because I think those are the two teams that Nebraska has played the least of those four. You know, got a pretty good history um, with UCLA in terms of number of games played and Obviously, there's some some key Washington games that we can all remember from from Nebraska's past. So, but they did kind of stick it uh, with the with the LA schools, which which is fine too. It's never a bad thing to have to go to the Rose Bowl or or have to welcome UCLA. And I mean, UCLA is pretty good right now under under Chip Kelly. But you look at those other th- three teams with where they're at at you know entering Week Six in, in 2023. They're, they're at a higher level than than the Bruins are at the moment. So all things considered, not not bad for Nebraska. Um, I, I look forward to some of those those USC games. That's been a, a matchup we've gotten less frequently, um, just consuming the Huskers over the years. Vogue's last thought on the schedule, who would you have drafted to play every year other than Iowa? If, if you could have picked a second running mate for Nebraska, who would it be? Wisconsin, and I and and I I feel like that pick is fading a little bit. Like back in you know 2016 or so, like I think that was that was a clear a clear pick for me with just the like Alvarez Nebraska ties, etc. Um, <clears throat> that said, Wisconsin's dominated that series uh, against Nebraska in in the Big Ten. Um, there's just there's a lot of similarities I think between the two programs there still even though like maybe Nebraska's going back towards kind of a a more ground based approach and Wisconsin's moving away from it. The one that's come up lately though I think is is Minnesota um, and in turn you know it's a it's a good road trip for fans I think 
either way going going to Minneapolis or Minnesota fans coming to Lincoln. Um, that one's got a little bit of steam, although the Gophers have kind of handled that one of of late too. So it it would be a close call for me, but I'd still go Wisconsin. Uh, and if if Wisconsin wasn't available, I'd happily take Minnesota. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, let's uh, flip it over now to the game that's going down tomorrow night. Nebraska, Illinois in Champaign. It feels like a big one in terms of Nebraska's quest for a bowl game. I just want to get your your general thoughts. Nebraska is the underdog in this one. I think a lot of people around Nebraska and even a lot of people nationwide from some of the betting experts uh, that I stay uh, uh, tuned into that Nebraska feels like a value play this weekend in terms of going out to, to Champaign and getting an outright win. How do you feel about this game tomorrow? And how do you feel about Nebraska's quest towards getting to six wins beginning tomorrow night in Champaign? Yeah. Um, I mean, getting to six wins broadly probably requires a win tomorrow night, I think. Um, or at least that's the easiest way to do it. Um, that said, you know, the game is three. Last I saw it was three and a half points mm-hmm. for, for Illinois. It's kind of giving them credit for home field advantage and, and not a lot else. And, and in those situations, I would agree. I think the value is on is on Nebraska here. These two teams are really, really even. When I kind of went through my game preview process and put all my the numbers that I like to look at down, it's it's one of those where you know we know Nebraska wants to run the football. Uh, Illinois hasn't been great at at stopping the run so far, so. That's that's one thing. Illinois, however, has has been really good about staying on schedule offensively. Nebraska, after the Michigan games, a, about average at that. So it's it's going to be, I think, a pretty close game. Um, and now that I say that, of course, like something crazy will happen and some team will win by 21 points. But I think it's it's going to be close close quarters type of game. I think what Matt Rule said post game on Saturday, like we'll find out what kind of team we have. Is, is completely true because one of these teams is going to have to go out and like win this game. Um, you hope it's not one decided by a couple of big plays or a couple of key turnovers or a missed field goal or something like that. But it could be because everything I've looked at says this one should be pretty close. And I do, I do like Nebraska's chances. Um, it, you know, if I had to pick, I, I, I would pick Nebraska to win straight up, but it's 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 pretty close to a coin flip maybe as close like as as i can remember in in quite a few years as long as geronimo allison is not in the red (laughs) zone i'm i'm okay and elijah's giving me the side eye there i brought up a painful memory from many many years ago brandon vogel with us the the first loss uh in in champagne but not the last for nebraska I want to get your take on just what you saw against Michigan. Does that concern you the rest of the year? Do you, are you concerned? We've all spent this week talking about rules gauntlet, and it was well put. It was well communicated, but it was, it was still a challenge to his guys. And it, the, the question is there, you know, uh, how, how are they going to respond? How are they going to look? Do you, strip away the Michigan factor or does that kind of intensify what, what tomorrow night needs to look like if you're Nebraska? Um, uh, I think, I think I can do a little bit of both. Like, I think this is a, a, a really important game for Nebraska. 
um, you look at this like the ideal version of this. If you're if you're a Husker fan, is Nebraska comes out against a defense that has struggled in really about every way except for giving up big plays. They're pretty good there. Um, you come out, you hope the offense finds a little bit of rhythm. Uh, you, you get the win, you go to the bye week, and, and you've got six games left to to chase three more wins. Um, that's the perfect scenario. That said, like, you can't just dismiss, I think, some of the things we saw against Michigan. I think through rules comments, both post-game and then again Monday, I, I think we're starting to see how much of a kind of psychological, behavioral, I'm not sure which is the better word there, hurdle they they're still having to clear of like everybody wants to be in the right spot they don't want to do the right thing it's tough to tough for them to just turn loose and play and that's kind of you know scarring i think from not just the previous regime but really you know previous seven eight years of of nebraska football and it's it's been the it's been the piece that you know it's you get it gets really into a gray area here with a lot of the stuff but you hope you can overcome but you never know for certain like it's a lot easier to talk about how many returning starters there are you know in the secondary than it is hey is this team ready to uh to just go out and play free brandon uh, i just saw on twitter the husker volleyball team their wheels up to michigan they take on michigan state and michigan uh, both of those away from home this weekend and there's some pictures from the tarmac. The girls in the volleyball team seem to be wearing shirts that say volleyball school. What does that mean to you that the, the they volleyball got some team, free gear from your friends at Barstool? They did. They did get the free gear from the, the friends at Barstool. But like, I think if you're a member of the football team, that's that's a bit of a slap in the face. Just it's another of, challenge. I mean, are, are they wrong? That's one question. Are they wrong? No, I don't think not. so. Nebraska <laughs> is a volleyball school right now, but like, that's got to be some sort of motivating factor on the football team whenever. I mean, if you read in between the lines on volleyball school, a place like Nebraska, it is kind of backhanded towards the football team. Yeah, I mean, like it's kind of been undeniable. For, they've, for, they've earned. Uh, they've earned the. Uh, the they've the, earned the right. The yes. Yes. Yeah. They definitely have. Um, you know, I just hope that you know, if Nebraska gets a, gets a, gets a win on Friday, and Matt Rule gets up there and says. He didn't say nobody believed in us. He said volleyball didn't believe in us. Then, then we're all good. He, be, he better think, be wearing the volleyball T-shirt. <laughs> that would be amazing. If he gets up there in a volleyball school T-shirt and says volleyball didn't believe in us. No, no, no he, he gets up after that. the game and says something about disrespect. Right. That would be the theme of 2023 for college football. That Yeah, and, and that would be the final button to push, wouldn't it? I mean, to, to motivate your guys. And uh, if, if you're Trev and Coach Cook and – Hell, Rule probably helped hand out the T-shirts just to get the message to his team of of, of lighting. Uh, I was going to say lighting that fire, but that's too soon. Uh, oh, I, I didn't mean to go there, but hey, it, it's all about uh, finding that that internal drive. What's what's a number, Vogues? Before we get you out offensively here on the ground, does Nebraska need two hundred to fifty? Do you see both quarterbacks? Um, I think, I think 200 is a pretty fair expectation for Nebraska based on what we've seen from both teams so far. And I think if they get there, they, they should be in pretty good shape. Um, as for both quarterbacks, I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards yes. I think we do see both of them, um, at points. We'll see how Nebraska chooses to start the game. 
But, you know, if you're going to get to 200 yards rushing and, and you look at the running back depth, um, you're going to need you're going to need a good amount of carries from from the quarterback. And if you can split that over two guys, however, that works, um, not necessarily the worst thing. Two seventy four yard gallops by Mr. Fleeks will help get to that 200 Vogues is talking about. Fine. That's a lot to ask for. <laughs> if you can do it against Michigan, you can do it against Illinois. I, I kind of kid. Brandon Vogel, counter-read, counterread.com. Vogue, tell us about counter-read real quick. Yep. Uh, Twice-weekly newsletter for subscribers from myself and Aaron Sorensen. Uh, we try to do things a little bit differently and keep the value proposition pretty simple. Um, so each week we do an in-depth preview uh, of the game. Uh, do a couple of other things each week, kind of just trying to find the best story that, that we can find to tell. And that'll change a little bit in the off season, but for football season, that's what it is. Vogues, appreciate you. We'll talk Saturday, brother. Sounds good. Thank you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel for jumping in. Open phones for you here the rest of the hour. Hour two coming up with Hale Varsity. We have Gary Barnett coming in. Good coaches take on response for Nebraska after Michigan and heading into Illinois. Again, we're at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill tomorrow night, 4 to 6. Come see us as Hale Varsity Radio on the road. And then uh, we'll be uh, set up for the watch party. Get some of that bang, bang shrimp. Yes, I feel like Bubba Gump, man. Just going to be screaming about shrimp for uh, the first half anyway. Uh, the bang, bang sauce, too. And then uh, Real Red Reaction follows uh, from the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. Excited to be up there as it's a Friday game. I know it's a, a night for high school, but the Big Ten don't care. So we are uh, hunkering down for all sorts of football fun in La Vista. Come see us. Can log on. Heard at Sports Bar and Grill and find out more info there. 489-1240, 489-1240, number to get in. You want to join us here this first hour, chris at hailvarsity.com. Or can find us on the Stream Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that. Give us a follow there. Or the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at Radio. We touched on schedule briefly. That's the big news drop along with the Regents giving two thumbs up. Uh, or more for the $450 million renovation. That is a green light for the Big Red. Uh, Elijah, between the South End Zone project and between uh, the schedule that is daunting for Nebraska and about everybody in the Big Ten, the time is tomorrow and beyond to find or develop a quarterback find and develop an offensive line, keep improving on the defensive side of the ball, and and then just go be able to trade punches in a league 
that on on its face right now, Oregon looks like a playoff team. Washington looks like a playoff team. Michigan looks like a playoff team. Ohio State looks like a playoff team. USC. And Penn State looks like a playoff team. And USC. Six of your 18 are playoff squads right now. They're in the running. They're in the discussion point. Dean Blevins also going to be with us along with you Danny know, Burke next I hour. do have a feeling that not all six of those teams are going to make it into the playoff. No, but I think I have you, a, talk, I have a you can talk feeling. yourself into <laughs> – but, hey, with, with a 12-team playoff, you can absolutely justify three. Oh, 100%. And, and four. Now, the SEC, the SEC is going to be, you know, shaking their change cup as well for getting as many in as well. But, I mean, right now, you've got an elite – quarterback setup that won't necessarily be traveling to Lincoln or Lincoln won't see that next year maybe they will maybe they won't see Caleb Williams in 2024 depending on who gets the first pick Ohio State will have their kid who won at South Bend presumably there next season you're also at Iowa and your home schedule has three really fun ball games. UCLA coming to town with Chip, Wisconsin with Fickle, and then Coach Prime, as long as he's still in Boulder, the Buffs are still on the schedule for next year. I love that. There's six losable games on top of the fact you've not been able to beat Purdue and Illinois routinely, or Northwestern, dare I say. So the time is now, and by year three, your patience may be minimal now, uh, but but the time right now to get the hard hat and the shovel is absolute for Nebraska football. So by 2024, they're competitive. They still have the rest of this year to be competitive, yes. But it really escalates and accelerates. Think about 2028 with what you, you, that, that schedule is. Penn State, UCLA, Wisconsin, and Lincoln at Iowa, at Michigan, at Minnesota, at USC – and I've skipped over 2025, 2026, 2027, not on purpose, but it's just going to be fun. The, the thing that sucks is you only get Washington and Oregon once. Now, we got to plan that road trip to Eugene. we got to plan that road trip to Seattle. I, I know you're saying a road trip here, but that sounds like more of a flight to me. No, well, what I meant is when we land. <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is if you're flying, I ain't driving. <laughs> Not to those. We're, we're going to call our, our dear friend Bill Walton to get us picked up. That, well, that could honestly, though, be a hell of a cross-country road trip. No. If we make it like a, no. a one, like an entire week-long thing. We're going to have to take a train. Let's take a train. Can we take a train to Oregon? No, well, how fun would it be to do the shows from the road on the way to Oregon? Like, hey, this one's from the Grand Canyon, Hill Varsity Radio coming at you. <laughs> Why would we go to the Grand Canyon? We should make it a whole West Coast thing. Like, it's I'm telling you, like... The world tour? <laughs> we leave on Sunday, and, like, Monday rolls around, and we're somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Tuesday rolls around, like, we're somewhere in the Southwest. Hey, this show's Scream, coming at you from Las Vegas. One of us has gloves on, the other does not. And yeah, it's the Rockies. Uh, dumb and dumber reference for you. Sorry, but uh, yeah, I know. You got to watch it again. It's good. Um, no, I, I mean, Oregon is more recent. Washington's got a great history. Washington and UCLA, quite frankly, are the two teams. It's been a long time since Nebraska's hooked up with USC. Feels like yesterday doing that pregame show and. 2006 check that 2007 but one of us was doing a pregame show in 2007 when sc came in here and ran stanley havili three times for 90 yards up the gut fullback dive 
and uh, Pete Carroll destroyed Bill Callahan in Nebraska that night in Lincoln. So, listen, you, you better get good, and you better get good quick. You better get competitive now and carry that over if you're Nebraska. Better get competitive now because I'm, I'm looking at the, the schedule, how it shapes up. If you're not a solid bowl team in 2024 next year, I have serious doubts of whether or not the Matt Rule rebuild will work altogether with just how difficult that schedule gets. Obviously, you can go to recruits and sell the fact that, hey, we're in the Big Ten Conference, and this is the conference where winners come to play, and if you want to win, you want to play big-time college football. Can you steal the, the Conference of Champions moniker that used to be with the Pac-12? I wonder how long – does that trademark go away if the Pac-12 ceases to exist? I, I assume so. That's a good question. Does that go into the, the, the public domain? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know, but all I know is if you're not a, a solid bowl team by 2024, I, I seriously doubt Matt Rule's ability to make it work altogether. And hey, maybe you get into a bowl this year and you can sell it for 2024, sell that build. But what I know about, about, about rebuilds in college football, no matter how far down you are in the dumps, whenever the rebuilds happen, you look at, at Bob Stoops way back when, and maybe we'll get Dean Blevins' take mm-hmm. on this here next hour. I mean, they were in the worst period that they had been in 50 years. Can I let you in on a secret? Sure. John Blake was the, God rest his soul, was the coach mm-hmm. that, that could not coach. He could recruit like a machine. He was on Callahan's staff. He landed Sue. John Blake could recruit but couldn't coach. Okay, He was an assistant. He was a recruiter. Stoops came in, similar to Bo, with really good talent. And, and to year two, you win a national championship. You had insane talent on that team. And it, it was a travesty. They were no better than five or six wins or four wins under the John Blake era. And he, he didn't do it right. He's, he, was, he, was a, he was an assistant that got an opportunity to be a head coach. So Stoops to do it as quickly as he did was, wow, impressive. But the amount of talent Oklahoma had in the cupboard there that was just being mismanaged was, was criminal. And, and Stoops fixed it. So... Uh, I'm sorry to interject there. I just no, wanted sir. to. It's to important, say, important context. No, no, it is. I mean, because it's not like he walked into awful talent or players. I think I don't know what Nebraska has talent or player wise. I know what we see on offense right now, and and you don't have a, a difference maker at, at quarterback as of yet. Maybe that changes with Sims and confidence. Maybe that changes with Harburg. But you have a difference maker right now at a skill spot or on the offensive line. That's fair. That's fair. And, and that's what kind of underscores the importance of getting your 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes right, getting some momentum rolling yeah. so you have some talent in the cupboard that you can work with. Because I'm not sitting here telling you, Nebraska, if they want to have a successful rebuild, they have to have a national championship in year two. It's, that's, that's so far-fetched. No, just get that, to, that's not get what to I'm trying six to say. or seven even in year two. But you need to have momentum rolling by year two. Kirby Smart, I mean, he lost a national championship in year two, but he got that momentum rolling. Urban Meyer at Florida got the momentum rolling in year two. That's a pretty standard way of rebuilding is that if you want to get back into national relevancy, you got to get things rolling early. You don't have all that much time to, to toil in the muck and the mire and, and, and to be really, really bad because at some point you're going to lose any rec- recruiting momentum that you have, especially whenever you look at the schedule coming up. It makes you wonder, man, why do I want to go play a – a three and nine football team that's got an incredible play four, I should say, a three and nine football team that has an incredibly difficult schedule coming up. Whenever the who's who of college football wants me, it's a hard recruiting sell to make to any recruit out there, anyone between the age of 16 and 18, if you don't get some momentum rolling by the end of year two. And maybe Nebraska can pick things up at the end of year one and get some momentum going into year two. Because as I sit here and look at it now, 
eight and four might be your ceiling next That'd year. Be, I, I don't dude, know. You would love eight and four with Latin, with next year's schedule. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That might be your ceiling as of right now, based on what I see with talent on Nebraska's roster and, and what's coming in. It's going to take some time, but simply put, anything less than six next year is going to be wholly unacceptable because it makes you really start to doubt the rebuild as a whole, just based on what other teams in college football have done and what, how other coaches handle their rebuilds. You have to have that momentum in year two, and you look at the schedule, and man, it's tough to get momentum rolling against those kind of teams that Nebraska has in its schedule in 2024 and beyond. I'll say this, and, and you've referenced the year two to year three, and in, in year twos for rule, they were 500 or a little better. They were seven and six seasons, okay? And, and I'll say this, it you mentioned Urban, you mentioned Stoopsy in year two. And what both of those guys walked into absolute football factory talent-wise compared to what Rule has right now. And I don't want people to get mad or throw things. I'm not saying there's not good football players or talent in Lincoln, but what are you seeing right now? You're seeing a lot of push towards some of the young guys that, that didn't blank per Rule on the defensive side of the football against Michigan. And what you have right now for tomorrow night, we'll get into this a little more, is – all right, your, your quest for six, yes, but also your audition. You get to audition some of those young wideouts as the season progresses. You get to audition more of those guys to, to kind of find their footing at more of a full-time role for their future versus the, the reserve role or giving them a little bit on their plate to to digest we'll get to some of your comments as well 489-1240 and in the stream yard but it and listen if it's if it's a tough two years that's fine you just can't get it wrong and you can't get impatient as the builder here if you're rule and he's been through this before well there's a difference between having a sense of urgency and being impatient. Sure. You and, have to be urgent, but you can't be impatient. And the thing that I think you can you can be comfortable with if you're Nebraska, again, back to rule, is he's kind of found some diamonds in the rough wherever he's been at some tough programs with the win-loss record, and he's turned those guys into good, good football players. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 489-1240. We'll take some of your calls here, get to your comments. Hail Varsity. And we're powered by Herd Ant Sports. We're on the road tomorrow. Herd Ant Sports Bar and Grill. Come see us in La Vista, Nebraska, Illinois. We're on 4-6. to six. Watch party at the Herd Ant Sports Bar and Grill. And then uh, we uh, hit the reaction show. Chris chimes in on the stream and he's like, look, Illinois owns the Herbies. Rule has reached his ceiling for year one wins. Not to be a bubble buster, but he's saying two and ten. He says Nebraska loses out. Even if they don't win tomorrow, I don't think they lose out. I think they're going to really get the mother of all gut checks tomorrow, and they need to. They've got to respond the right way. they got to go out and play loose. You've heard Coach talk about it, but they got to – they got to coach it that way too, and they got to coach it that way to be aggressive with what they're calling defensively. Not, not be careless or reckless, but do what you did starting the year. 
wanting to heat up the opposing quarterback. Offensively, you were shaking your head at me for. Uh, I'm, I'm shaking my head at the fact that there's people out there that are still overreacting to the Michigan game and saying that 2-10 and 10 is in the cards for Nebraska this year. I just does that does that game destroy your season? You don't win tomorrow night. It might. The, the only way I I would change my tune here and say Nebraska might go. If they just go get blown out. They get beat by two touchdowns by a bad Illinois team. That's fair. I mean, right now this tomorrow night's game is probably the battle for whoever loses it is probably going to be your bottom of the Big Ten West at the end of the year. Illinois may, or I should say uh, Northwestern may, may say, hold my beer. I mean, they already beat Minnesota. They're, I know. They already have a big ton win. That's, there that's, there that's could be a race else. to worst. Oh, and then you get the first overall pick next year. Yeah. 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 You, you get to take everyone's, everyone else's NIL money. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. Now, Nebraska, listen, if, if Harburg can keep growing – that's that's a nice option this year. If Sims can settle in, that's a nice option. But you got to go find a quarterback. And I know Kalen is a, is a kid as as part of this class, but you still got to be looking. And and that is no joke. Uh, and and you got to be looking on the offensive line. You absolutely do. With when it comes to nil and and see where some of these guys that have been redshirting where's a Knutson at where's a gatula a gatula at i mean how can you can you get strong at tackles what do you got on the interior uh lutoski's had some good moments right uh, uh you, you you've recruited but you've not hit on some guys to be difference makers can they hold their own against illinois that's gonna be fascinating to see uh elijah is asking a question here as he has family coming to town. I need some help, fellas. My dad's going to be in town, and we're going to watch the game. Do I smoke ribs, pork butt, brisket, burn ends for tomorrow? Okay. Uh, Elijah, get to the Herd at Sports Bar and Grill. I'm not saying you shouldn't do barbecue. That's very noble of you. Uh, ribs are pretty idiot-proof, and I'm not calling you the idiot. I'm calling me the idiot where I've not screwed up St. Louis or baby backs ever on my smoker. See, I've never, I've never screwed up a pork butt. Okay, pork, that's that's hard butt, to do. Pork I will, butt's if, super easy, especially if you can get the internal temperature. If you have a thermometer, mm-hmm. smoke it to one ninety seven. Get some uh, do some, some apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. or some Worcester basin over the or uh, like spray it over the top. Keep it a little moist early on. I, I think you go orange juice. Idiot too. proof. Oh, orange juice works as well with vodka in it. <laughs> um, but I, I say this: do do some pork butt tacos. Those yes. are incredible. The burn ends, which means you're doing brisket. Brisket is brisket is the temperamental pain in the backside because you you'll spend a boatload on brisket, and I have I've had edible brisket, but people have chipped teeth. Okay, I, I'm I'm a I'm the last guy to suggest you do brisket because it's that hard. My brother-in-law, Uncle Andy, every time he does brisket, he does burnt ends, and they're incredible. My mother does incredible brisket. I, however, have, have failed. And I've had the football party. Last time, when, when Frosty was up playing Michigan early in, in the fall, they opened up Big Ten play against Michigan on the road. I did brisket, and my smoker, I'm going to blame the smoker, went on the fritz <laughs> and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't heat. So it was just not what it needed to be. So burnt ends are really, really tough. 
Uh, Anonymous chimes in here on the stream. He says, my mom has the best five-minute brisket recipe. It consistently turns out like shoe leather. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> That's kind of what Nebraska's offensive line is right now. Just, just put enough sauce on it, and you, you try and choke it down. Cutter says, if we don't get good fast in reference to the schedule... There won't be enough alcohol manufactured in the state of Nebraska with schedules like that. It'll be like Otis Campbell in the Andy Griffith show if we continue to suck. Otis, my man. Uh, Otis was always hammered in, in getting a free night's stay. Matthew says, do pork ribs... Uh, and beef short ribs. Do both of those. Yes, short ribs are, are great. Pot roast on a stick. Get yourself some short ribs. They're wonderful. Get your short ribs from Elijah's pal. Uh, your roomie. Oh, oh, Darren. Yeah, yeah Darren, Darren's the man when it comes to short ribs. Uh, can I burn water? Seriously. What, what's Tim upset about? Um um, yeah, okay, Elijah's in Texas, so <laughs> that ruins the road trip for him. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law, personal injury. If you've been hurt in a personal injury accident, you can count on Dyer Law, the team to provide you with a helping hand. When you need it, no matter what you're dealing with, call Dyer Law today, the team at 402-393-7529, or visit Dyer.Law, that's Dyer.Law, to visit with trusted professionals about your personal injury Claim that's dire.law 402 393 7529 and uh, get them called today. So, listen, uh, Nebraska at that critical juncture of the season for you, the fan base, right now, because you're wondering if it's going to get better, if it's going to get worse, or, or how they get out of this. I think it's fair to place a lot of hope on tomorrow night with what what direction the old yellow brick road travels nebraska doesn't get a win tomorrow night it's going to be tough for them to to have a successful season uh there's the audition factor we've touched on which kind of excites me i i want to see dos tomorrow I'm anxious to see that. I want to see Fleeks tomorrow. We'll have more of a, a, a kind of a breakdown and preview in Nebraska-Illinois tomorrow uh, for our Friday road show. But I also want to see, Elijah, back to the original point here, brother, is, is just cut it loose. You can still be a ground-and-pound offense. Nebraska's a top-25 team when it comes to yards before contact, running the football. See if Illinois wants any. Right. See if that that fire two nights ago was an omen where they are at as a team right now. And it's going to be almost like a bowl game. It's going to be who wants to be there mm. and, and who's ready to check out if it doesn't go their way or who's ready to check in and dig in if if um, you need to face some adversity. And, and I like I, I would bet that rule has the guys ready. They've got to be excited to play. They've got to have the little redemption in their heart. And they've got to really ask themselves and look themselves in the mirror if they're okay with what they showed last Saturday. Doesn't matter who it was against. You got to come out like Scott was talking about angry. Uh, can the actions back the words? We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity. We're powered by Herdat Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, 
as uh, we are winding down hour one. Uh, our dear friend Rock chimes in. YouTube is where you can follow us and subscribe. YouTube channel, Hail Varsity. Uh, Google that or put that in and subscribe. Great post-game coverage as well and other video elements of content. Rock says, rules a noticeable coaching upgrade, I totally believe, but a bowl, even on a percentile tiebreaker, is a double must, a doable must. And that gets into his whole build, right? His build is on development. His build's on uh, looking at and evaluating talent. And right now, you can argue what's the talent evaluation been like with some of the guys they brought in. Those air quote Sunday guys from big time programs, the portal, the NIL guys, they got to step up and play some football tomorrow. And, and they know it. And Coach Rule's been matter of fact with them about that. It's not just them. I mean, it's a team thing, but you're expecting major contributions from guys that had a, a lot of stars next to their name. And to Rule's credit, no one's been given anything. I mean, you haven't seen a lot of the Florida or Georgia kids start. You've seen them take some snaps, but you've also seen guys that were former walk-ons earn some starting time and some more snaps uh, in, in pretty critical moments. You love the depth, or at least you did, on defense. Having Len Hardback's going to be big. Having Van Poppel get more confidence is huge. You need a response game from Ty Robinson and Nash Huttmacher for sure. And, uh, and, and can you build if you're Jamari Butler? He looked good. And he should have been singled out for some of the wins he had against that left tackle against Michigan. Butler's been nice this year. He's kind of kept coming along. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Bayer's someone else I like at the inside backer. Yeah, I think the only guys I can think of that got pass rushing wins, Prince Will and Jamari Butler yes. against Michigan, probably the only two guys. I mean, Prince Will had the best pass rush win of the day. He didn't get home. It was a quick out route to the tight end, so he didn't get home. But he had a great swim move going inside in the tackle. That was the best probably the only good pass rush move I saw all day on Saturday. And and the question becomes, where is the development in terms of pass rush, uh, in terms of running the football, finding a, an offensive identity that works? I mean, Matt Rule preaches identity, getting the guys developed. I mean, getting your offense developed. It almost feels like this team has stagnated a bit since the Northern Illinois game. Was the Michigan game the swift kick that they needed in order to, to, to get back into the development and getting guys that are playing every single Saturday, improving every single week, or is it time to throw some, some backups in and, and have those guys geared up and, and get their development kick-started for what could be you know, uh, They're the just, guys of the future, the guys that are going to be winning games in two to three years. And I think Illinois, it's going to tell you a lot about what the rest of the year looks like. If it's a win, I think you're playing for six and six. You're playing for a bowl game, and you're playing to, to get those get seniors to. a chance. On the other hand, if it's a loss on Friday, I think you say, okay, lost season. It's time to build for the future now. We're going to get those those backups on the field. I think you'll learn a lot tomorrow night. Reminder to get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, you have uh, Tim chiming in. Wouldn't it be great if Tommy Hill lights up the game? He's had opportunity, man. He's been highlighted for sure as uh, somebody that that is an option. Uh, We'll get to some emails next hour. Gary Barnett joins us. We'll dive into the Texas State Fair, Texas, Oklahoma. Dean Blevins with us next hour. Daddy Burke also has some gambling pointers for you. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity. 
The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, and we say hi to the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett. He joins us as uh, Nebraska is off to Illinois tomorrow night, and Arizona State hosting the Buffs. Coach, how's your week? Uh, the week's been great. Cool down, it's been great weather. Everything's gone gone well this week, and you know, we, left, uh, we left our last game so close to you know having a chance to beat usc but if you help them they'll usually beat you and that's what we did but i think we all this is literally one of those games where we ran out of time we were playing so well at the end and uh i think everybody now is really eager to i think they're eager to play i think the fans are eager to watch them play again and so it seemed like it's been a long six days getting ready for this thing two days we'll be be able to fire it off and see what happens gary barnett with us it's really a find out friday that's what it's been deemed and that was immediate from coach rule after the nebraska michigan game 45 to 7 meaning it wasn't that close just from the jump they were a machine what do you take from that and and what do you do moving forward if you're in Coach Rule's position where you're outmanned and outclassed, but you didn't like what you saw. Michigan, they are built to last this whole season and go into the playoffs. That's not a team that requires good weather or bad the quarterback to be hot throwing the football. Or I mean, that is a solid, solid football team, top to bottom. They use all the clock. I mean, 38 minutes of possession time. You played a really good football team, and Coach Rule knows that. But as you said, there were things that he saw he's got to get rid of if they didn't compete the way he thought they should compete if they don't have it down inside to, to really go compete against a team like that then then you you've got a problem and you got to figure out a way to fix it and it's like always a combination of coaching and player uh, mentality so this game this is a real chance for nebraska this is a chance for them to fight back and overcome whatever it was they did last week or did really more what they didn't do mm-hmm. going into, they're going to get a national audience. Everybody's going to watch. And so they get a chance to really, you know, this is a major game for them, Chris. I think this is a big game, much bigger than it looks like. They need to go in there and make a statement in this game about the rest of the season. Coach, you nailed it. That's been the narrative this week. And quite honestly, it was the narrative leading into this season as you're going through and picking out most important games, and they're all important, right? But how would things work out in this short week where your national measuring stick is Michigan? And oh, oh, by the way, they're still your Big Ten measuring stick. What'd you look like? How'd you play against them after four games uh, going into your fifth? And then what? What do you do response-wise, good, bad, ugly against Michigan with Illinois, who was one of the, the teams in a wide-open West that could have been a favorite? Now, they're also at a crossroads. This hinges uh, whether you're going to postseason or not. I don't think I'm making too big a deal out of it. The bye week at 2-4 and four versus 3-3, three and three, I think it's an awful tough for Coach Rule and company to, to get to six. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. You guys, the way you played against Michigan, 
and the way Michigan played against you, very similar to the way we played against Oregon and Oregon played against us. You don't necessarily need to use that as a measuring stick. I mean, that team, Michigan didn't com- didn't commit a foul. There wasn't a penalty called on Michigan in that game. I mean, you're playing an elite team right there or a team that's playing elitely. Don't measure yourself with that. Measure yourself with what you do after that. I think that's probably Coach Rule's message, and it certainly would be mine, and I know it's been uh, Dion's message here in Boulder. Tell me a little bit about that mentality because there's some guys who've played a lot of football that didn't show up, and he's not calling them out, but he's saying, I know you can do better. I know you're going to have a chance to play on Sundays, and you got to perform better in these big games. Tell me a little bit, Coach, from your experience, bringing that out of guys in big games and in big moments against some of those those helmet matchups. And, and quite honestly, making sure a guy can, can kind of break through the next chance he gets. Well, frankly, Chris, that's just coaching. That's, you know, that's more coaching than what everybody thinks it is. Uh, it's, it's not about plays. It's not about defensive schemes. It's not about any of that. Coaching, real coaching is doing just what you said has to be done or has to be attempted. And you gotta, you gotta look for every angle you can you know, most of this is up to the player, but it's up to the coach to establish and create a relationship as best he can to get that out of him. And that's that's what coaching used to be, and I still think it is. Uh, it, it's not about having the fastest players or the you know the most exotic schemes. So uh, week in and week out, you know that's. That's what coaching is about. So Matt's got his challenge with a bunch of guys, and it comes down to whether they buy in to him and whether they're willing to listen and let him guide them through this uh, this uh, situation. So, you know, it's, it, it, there's two, two levels of responsibilities, player level and coaches level. How did you attack that, Coach Gary Barnett, with this? Uh, with with some of your your early teams, either Northwestern or, or coming back to Colorado, where you had to have that that tough talk. Nebraska coach put on pads Sunday. I mean, less than twenty four hours after they played Michigan, they were in pads because that was the edict. And it sounds like it was a, it was a really good physical practice. It sounds like Nebraska responded the right the right way, but that's that's the route rule chose. Well, I, I've done that. You know, you, you, you do whatever your gut tells you to do in those situations. But the bottom line, Chris, is, is players want to be good. They want to play well. Uh, they really do. And deep down inside, they know when they didn't. They know when their attitude wasn't what it should be. And they're like any other young person. They, they need direction and they need to be told and they need to be confronted with it. The truth, the truth is what always sets you free and what always is the best thing in these situations. And, uh, the truth only works for you. If you've always told the truth, it doesn't work if you've used mis mistruths or you haven't told the truth along the way. So, um, you know, that's just the coaching player relationship that, that is supposed to exist in this sport. 
Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, let's talk about Michigan State and that opening. There's been some some murmurs about Urban Meyer. Tell me what you think of the Spartan job, and what's your reaction to Na- Urban's name being mentioned? I know Bruce Feldman said that's that's not going to happen, but there's been some other reports that there's been some some discussions at least just on the periphery. Uh, well, the Michigan State job has always been uh, one of those jobs that's that should be better than it is. And, uh, I mean, they have everything going for it. And it's it's just – D'Antonio, I think, took it to the probably the highest level it could have gone. You know, they went to a playoff, to the college football playoff. But – D'Antonio style gets, you know, it's it's like a lot of us who coach like that. It gets boring and it gets stale, and they want somebody else, and they they need to modernize everything, and and so um, you know, I think that happened with with Mark, and he probably sensed that, which is why he stepped down when he did. But it's always been that that program that you go, man, if they ever get the right guy in there it's going to take off and, be, and do really well, but it's in, it's in the big 10. It's you've you got Michigan, you got Penn state and you've got Ohio state. And those three are always going to, going to be up there unless you totally screw it up. And so it's, it's a <laughs> second level job. <laughs> unless you it's screw really, it up. Right. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so it's that second level job. That's probably better than all the other second level jobs. And, uh, so it, it'll be interesting. My take on Urban is, oh, I, you know, at this time there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of rhetoric. I don't know that really Urban's, you know, it's not my cho- call or my choice, but it, you know, it would be. I'm not sure that's the right person for that job, but that's their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be a little bit surprised if Urban would jump back in after his last two or three episodes in coaching. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I'd be a little surprised, but. I, you know, I'm not totally shocked. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, I don't think it'll happen either. But uh, man, I've I've been wrong a lot. So, um, but it, I do think it's it's a really good second level job in that conference. Well, and I found it interesting. Also, Joel Klatt was on with Cowherd okay. yesterday, where there may be some tension with Michigan okay. and Harbaugh. And uh, the the administration side, and I think Jimbo has probably got a long memory about the restructuring. And, you know, is, is Harbaugh looking elsewhere if he does get it done and wins a title this year to get back to the NFL? Uh, and if, if Michigan, for whatever reason, there's, there's a change at Michigan, uh, that would make me say, okay, the, the Michigan State job – would be even more appealing just because of the transition Mich- transition Michigan would be going through. I just I look at Urban and I look at what he has taken and he did a good job at Utah with Winningham was there. He started there in 94, so that was a, a great wingman. Uh but then Florida and Ohio State coach, they were loaded. I mean, they were loaded programs and I don't know that Michigan State is at that level of loaded, do you, compared to what he's walked into previously? No, no, there's, I mean, they're, they're a second level program for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, um, 
No, it's nothing like what he walked into at either one of those other places. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, let's do some rapid fire. Sound all right? Sounds good to me. All right, Red River rivalry. It's OU, it's Texas, Bevo minus six and a half. Tight blowout. What do you feel here? Uh, Texas, I'm taking uh, by 14. I, they look really good. They're playing better, as good as, maybe better than everybody in the country right now. And um, I watched them against Kansas they have players everywhere. You know, there's no weak spot. Quarterback's a great player. I'm Texas. I got Texas all the way. 300-yard passer, 200-yard rusher, 180-yard receiver, all three levels. And their O-line's different in a great way. Their defense is good. I think Texas looks good. How, what do you think of Maryland? Are they for real, or are, are you waiting to find out? They head to Columbus on Saturday, Buckeyes minus 20. Yeah, I'd take Maryland in the points. I don't know if they'll beat them, but Maryland is good. And the Buckeyes have yet to really show uh, that they're an elite team. They, We all know they're good. They've got all the players. Mm-hmm. But Maryland is playing really well, and the quarterback's playing well. I like Maryland with the points. I, you know, I would not be surprised if Maryland beat them. I don't, you know, I don't think they will, but I would, it would not shock me at all. Are they going to need a stiff drink down in Baton Rouge? They head to Columbia uh, on the heels of the Ole Miss shootout. Yeah, my Tigers are playing pretty good, Chris. Your your uh, Missouri Tigers. (laughs) Missouri Tigers, not the Missouri Tigers. The Missouri Tigers. They're playing well. And uh, they got two receivers that are fantastic quarterbacks playing well. LSU's not playing good defense, which is so out of character for them. Missouri and Kentucky have been the uh, uh, have been two teams that have given Georgia the most problems. I think Missouri gives LSU a big problem. They're six and a half point dogs. I you know, I even look for Missouri to win this game. Hmm. Outriding Columbia, uh, Coach Barnett's thinking UCLA, Washington State. Does the magic stop for the Cougs? I think everybody wants to watch this game, and uh, I. I think Washington State's playing at a really high level. And uh, I got to tell you, I think they win this game. Um, And so, I mean, UCLA's got the three-point home field advantage as far as the spread goes. But Cam Ward's playing at a really high level. And Washington State's playing at a high level. I I like Washington State winning this game. About 10 colleges that wish they would have done a little more homework on Cam out of – incarnate word because he is a dynamite quarterback bama are they in trouble they're at a&m the slimmest of favorites one and a half for the tide you know uh my this is where you know i'm gonna root for bama i mean i don't know who's gonna win this game but i'm rooting for bama (laughs) Uh, just because i can't understand a word jimbo says when when he starts talking but uh i uh I, I, you know, I'm a Nick Saban fan. I want Nick to win this game, so I, I, I'm, I'm doing this with my heart, not my head. Could be game of the night. Fresno State, Wyoming. Uh, Fresno State minus six. Boy, two good football teams playing there. I, I can't believe you put that one out there, but uh, that's two good game. I'm um, two good teams. Wyoming's uh, five and a half underdogs, mm-hmm. I think, 
Is that Wyoming? I'm going to go with Wyoming in this game. Yep, Powder River, River Buck. I think Wyoming might uh, defend home field. Coach Barnett, have a good trip to Arizona. We'll uh, we'll get caught up soon. Thanks, Chris. Great being with you. Got to love talking college football and his rapid-fire picks, Coach Barnett. It's Missouri, not Missouri. Uh, <laughs> Dean Blevins takes us down to the Red River. That's on the way. More thoughts on Nebraska-Illinois with Danny Burke, his best bets. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, the Red River rivalry. We check in with our dear friend Dean Blevins, Sooner quarterback, and of course with the Sports Animal and KWTV Sports Director. Find him and follow him on Twitter at Dean Blevins. Dean, it's uh, it's State Fair time, brother. How are you? Well, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I don't know if you checked with me Saturday about uh, noon or one or two or three, if I would uh, have enthusiasm in my voice, but I do right now. Well, hey, uh, it it was hard fought with Oklahoma, and they are in the spot where you want to be, ranked, unbeaten, and... Uh, ready to take on a, a rival. Uh, there's some sweat in the great state of Nebraska about tomorrow night, Dean, and I think Michigan just ran for another five-yard carry on first down. <laughs> well, that means you defended them very well, better than that. Yeah, the, that, that was a good play. Well, I don't know what the next one will be. <laughs> it's going to be play action. Someone's going to be open. <laughs> yeah, if you stop them for, at five. Now, I've been, uh, you know, I follow you really, follow Nebraska very, very closely, and Especially when Casey was up there, and I, I wish that uh, I wish that that had worked out better for him to be there. Although now he's injured and, and in bad shape, um, yeah, I know you've got issues up there. So you called me to talk OU Texas. I did. I I'm did. Ready to, I'm ready to lay on you whatever you need. Well, what do you what do you think? Tell me about this Suitors team and how uh, how you like this matchup. And, and what are your? We'll start with Texas. What are your impressions? Uh, of of Sark and, and this year's Texas, are they are they different? Are they dare I say back? Yeah, they are definitely back, and I thought that before uh, because I just know the quality of athlete they're able to recruit every year. But even though they have had and this year's talent is so much better than they've had, but even though they've had good talent down there, you know they've just puttered around and been an embarrassment basically um, since they were great in in two thousand nine. Um, but this is different. Sark took the knowledge that it's incredible how much he learned from Nick Saban. Personally, I'm just on the phone with a huge Texas donor, and he was telling me stories about how tight Sark and, and uh, Saban talk three times a week, and there's a bond there that goes back to a heart issue where he could have died. It's pretty significant how, how tight those guys are. And he took all of that to Texas. And even though it was a rough start, um, he's, got it, he's got it going now. And this particular Texas team is by far the best that I've seen since 2009. They don't have the greatest. I mean, you could pick apart. You could say their center maybe is not the greatest they've had. You could say their edge guys. They've got some highly ranked guys. Um, Collins, they've got some five stars that, that haven't been as good as they need to be, but, and their kicker has been, had an off season. 
But I'm telling you, aside from three or four, maybe three positions, they're loaded. And they don't just have uh, one guy or one group. They have multiple people. So that's the biggest change I've seen at Texas um, in following them for 50 years now, more than 50 years, is that, that, that this year they have the talent. They, are, they can match, if not match, if not defeat every team in America in the trenches, mostly on the defensive side, but they're pretty good offensively too. But they have stacked them up defensively with those big hosses that are going to be first and second round picks to where Texas is a different animal right now, just a different animal. And they complimented that. I will say that it's not a coincidence that NIL kicked in when Texas finally started to recover. So money has been the driving force, but they paid great players and brought them in. So they have a a ton of skill players who are so much better than Oklahoma right now. And that's never really been the case. Oklahoma's always had the skill players and generally the better quarterback going into this game, which is really huge, but not now, not now. Dean Blevins with us here on Hale Varsity Radio discussing the Red River rivalry, Texas and Oklahoma, this Saturday, 11 a.m. And Dean, to flip it around to Oklahoma's side, it's looked different under year two of Venables. They haven't quite been tested early in the season, but they've had convincing wins every single week of the season. I want your take on, on what's changed thus far in year two under Venables and what you, you still think is a little untested and, and what you want to see in, against Texas on Saturday. Well, what's changed is he did a, he's a tremendous recruiter. He hasn't had the NIL money to go compete and, and be ranked anywhere in these national recruiting rankings, yet he's bringing in top five classes. He's remarkable at it. OU is finally getting into the NIL game, so I think that's going to be much better than it's been and easier for him. So he's brought in talent, most of it since he's only in year two, that talent that is ranked in terms of recruiting classes is obviously very young or not here yet. So those guys, even though you've got a, a kid like uh, Peyton Bowen, the five-star kid out of Denton who has um, came to OU, he's playing, and there's several others that, that are five-star guys that are already playing. Um, they're playing earlier than they would at elite schools. And Oklahoma is much better defensively. Brent's guys are understanding more what he wants to do. And he went out and, and brought in seven, eight, nine transfers who were proven. Now, they may have played at uh, Division Three, which some of them did, or they may have played at Indiana or some of these other places. But they're coming in and contributing, and they're, they're good players. A couple of them are great. Rouse, for example, is, is one that would fall into that category. But in terms of just sheer dominant um, uh, ability talent-wise, uh, this team will be dwarfed by, uh, by Texas. I, I am extremely optimistic about the future because they've got a quarterback coming. I've seen them all guys that have come through here, and you know there have been some good ones. But they've got this Jackson Arnold kid who came out of Denton also, the number one player in high school last year. He's everything that they had hoped to be and more. I would expect him to be in the game at some point at Texas. And for the future, it's really, really bright for him. But for Saturday, not so bright for anyone uh, in Crimson, in my opinion. Dean Blevins with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Red River Rivalry, Texas, Oklahoma. Vegas says minus five and a half. Dean, what do you think of, of that number? 
you've laid out where Texas is at and, and where things are at with Venables, but you played in it, man. You lived the rivalry. Can yeah. you kind of paint the, the picture of its intensity? Well, the intensity is unlike any other. I mean, there is uh, hatred like no other game. The Texas fans now are so much more boisterous and confident because of what they, they've got. So it used to be you go down there, and since Bob was here, you know, you go back to the beginning of the Big 12 days, Oklahoma's beaten Texas two of three times. And so many of those were lopsided games. So, you know, you, you kind of have uh, uh, a dominance there that the Texas fans just were dreading Oklahoma many of those seasons. But <clears throat> it's not now because they're loaded. You mentioned <clears throat> uh, the line. Um, all I will say is if I were a betting man, uh, and I'm sure hoping Oklahoma pulls the upset, but if I were a betting man and I could pick one game this season, uh, this would be the game that, that I would pick because I think so much has to go right for Oklahoma that there's the margin for error is so slim. And I, I just think the momentum and the overall talent that Texas has is going to make it very, very difficult for Oklahoma. And I just am surprised that line is that low. Dean, what is the Big 12's appetite for a rematch for the Big 12 championship between Oklahoma and Texas? Oh, I think everyone that uh, from Oklahoma and Texas would love to see it just because Brett Yormark, the commissioner, um, would be putting his foot in his mouth for about the 50th time since he took over. Uh, he can't stand Oklahoma and Texas, and he's done some dastardly things to prove it. I don't know what the rest of the conference, the rest of the conference is ready to move on from them, but it is interesting that they are the two teams that are ranked from the conference and the, the heavyweights once again. I think there's a good chance of that. I believe if Texas were to lose this game, they would definitely be able to make it to the, to the championship game. And Oklahoma will have more talent than every team that faces from here uh, until the, the uh, accomplished championship game. Uh, whether they can turn those into wins or not, uh, running the table or doing well enough to make that game or not, I'm not as uh, confident, uh, but Texas will be there. Dean, before we get you out, I want to bring this back to Nebraska. You know, I had to do it. We're, we're in Lincoln, Nebraska. I had to. And I want to take you back to 1999 and Bob Stoops when he's rebuilding this Oklahoma football program. Year one for him was 7-5, and five, makes the bowl game. Year two for him was 12-0, and 0, and it's just a, a tale of two seasons, essentially. And I want to get your take on, on that rebuild under Stoops. What was the flip between year one and year two, and are there any parallels between what Nebraska and Matt Rule could be trying to do? Well, I hope so for Nebraska's sake, um, because Bob took it at, at its worst in, in OU history and won a national championship in his second year. And I'll admit that he and I are very good friends, so this is a very biased perspective. But the things that he has done after he quit coaching here, one of them specifically is when Lincoln Riley uh, left and the program was just in disarray, Venables was coming in. Bob stepped forward, kind of took control to a degree of the program without interfering and coached them in a bowl game, which they won, and it's just become life-size. He's not in the Switzer category yet, who turned, I think it was 85. I touched base with him earlier today. Today's his birthday. But Bob did marvelous things, and Bob did it just, there's no secret. He had a young, aggressive, smart, 
confident, bold coaching staff. You look across the country with the Manginos and the Leeches. I mean, the, the guys that they had, it was just spectacular to see who all they had coaching. But then he brought in his type of players, and Bob was exacting in how uh, he went about his business, and he demanded respect. Not that he demanded it, but just his persona demanded respect and leadership. And uh, it was amazing. Those things enabled him to get to where he was, along with being the best school in the country, in my opinion, since that run when Heupel went in there in 99. uh, From that point until when Caleb Williams left, it's been the best school for quarterbacks. So Nebraska has to get it right at quarterback. And you've got to recruit better than what's going on right now. But I do believe in your head coach – I think he has the ability to do it. He has the ability, but can he bring in all of these other resources that a Bob Stoops did that enabled him to turn around this juggernaut from flat to champion? Dean Blevins, Sports Animal. And, of course, you can find Dean on Twitter at Dean Blevins. Dean, it is always good to talk Red River with you. Love your perspective on the rebuild and enjoy yourself down there at the Cotton Bowl, all right? Okay, guys, enjoyed it as always, and I'll be pulling for you this week again. Go get them. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity rolls forward. Time to talk some gambling. Danny Burke with us, the pride of Chicago at Danny Burke 5, where you find him on Twitter and check out his site, Burke's Beat. Dot com. Danny Burke, are you headed to Champaign, or are you avoiding that? I think I'll be avoiding it, but uh, definitely the eyeballs will be on the game, Smitty. I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this one, which, you know, is, I don't know, that can either be a really good thing or a really bad thing. I think you understand how that one goes, my friend. No, I, I know. With Nebraska and, and Illinois, <laughs> both teams in, in a similar spot, minus three and a half. Let's start there. As you've looked at Illinois, they've been a, a major disappointment after some preseason love and Nebraska in year one of a rebuild. So looking around at this market, it opens four in several spots. Like you said, now it's moved down to about a consensus three in the hook. And for the first official college play I'm giving out this year, Schmitty, I actually took three in the hook with Nebraska. I'm just asking for uh, for trouble here. I know that much. But, man, I mean, looking at this Illinois team, it's just I don't think they're four points better than Nebraska. I really don't. And it doesn't really matter that this game is being played in Champaign. I love what Rule said after that matchup against Michigan, and I kind of consider that matchup a, you know, you kind of just throw that one out anyway, right? I mean, it wasn't shocking to see Nebraska get dismantled. Does it stink? Yeah, absolutely, but it's not surprising. Now, Illinois, that's something that's more shocking, the fact that they just got walloped by Purdue 44-19. to Now, in betting, you always want to take recency bias out of the mix. You always say, you know, no team's as good or as bad as they were their last week. I understand that. So, looking into it a little bit deeper, what draws me to the Cornhuskers here, I mean, look, this team certainly has been efficient at running the ball, 16th in yards per carry. Uh, Defensively, they're limiting opponents to under five yards per play, ranks 22nd. Illinois defensively, opponents get about 5.6 yards per play against them. And more importantly, I just don't really trust the quarterback Altmeyer here. He's been underwhelming. Five touchdowns and seven interception ratio, 50 rating for his QBR, 65% completion. And I know it's not like, you know, Harvard's been anything outstanding. And if it's led to sin, certainly that's a little bit more concerning. But 
again, if we're just looking purely at the number, I think this should be more at a field goal. And the fact that we're getting the hook, I think that makes Nebraska appetizing here to take that three in the hook. I know it's going to be an aggravating game. I think Nebraska should win this game outright, Schmitty, based on what I thought about these teams heading into the season. But knowing what the Big Red usually does, they'll probably have a lead, may blow it, and perhaps lose on a field goal. But if that's the case, hopefully they just lose by that field goal and can at least cover three in the hook. But I'm expecting them still to be competing for that outright win. Otherwise, they wouldn't be even taking three in the hook anyway. Danny, I want to move to some Thursday night football action. I was uh, keeping updated with Burke's beat last night, and I was a little interested in the prop play that you advised for tonight. Sam Howell over 30.5 passing attempts. This feels like a game that... Washington may have a lead in against the Bears trying to, to run the football, but you're taking Sam Howell over 30 and a half passing attempts. G- give me the reason why. So that's really the main reason why I think that could be the detriment to this prop plays if Washington just gets out to a big lead. But I'm hoping the Bears can at least stay competitive long enough in this game to where they're still throwing the ball, being the commander, still throwing the ball a little bit later in this game. But yeah, as I wrote up about, I mean, Howell's thrown the big skin about 35 times per game. He's gone over this in every game except one. That game where he didn't, they got blown out by the Bills, and he still managed to throw the ball 29 times. Chicago's weakest part of their defense, without a doubt, is the secondary. They rank 31st against the pass, according to DVOA. Also second worst in terms of defensive EPA against the pass. And no Eddie Jackson, no Jalen Johnson still. And now Jaquan Brisker, their other star cornerback, was listed as questionable for this game. Whether or not he plays, it's not going to affect anything because the secondary is still crap, let's be honest. (laughs) And a little bit of kind of just, you know, speculation into this thought that I wrote up about is just the Eric the enemy factor. I mean, the Bears didn't really give him the time of day the last time they were around their coaching carousel. And I think he went to Washington to prove he can still be a dynamic play caller without having Patrick Mahomes being his quarterback, and he's made Sam Howell look very strong thus far. I know there's been a couple of areas where it hasn't been the case, but for the most part, it's been impressive. So I wouldn't be shocked if he just goes out there with a little bit of chip on, on his shoulder to kind of stick it to the Bears for an office going, man, I could have been doing this with your quarterback, Justin Fields. Instead, he went with the defensive-minded guy, and maybe he's about to prove even more so, hey, don't make that mistake this next time around. So that's kind of just a little bit on the side of the, uh, you know, kind of an intangible, just me speculating. But all in all, 30 and a half seems a little bit low for Howell. I think they're going to try to absolutely dominate in the passing effort. And I would have made this number like 32 in the hook. I know there's some 31 and a half out there now. Obviously, if you get 30 in the hook, still try to get that. The highest I would play would be 31 and a half for his pass attempt. So. Danny Burke is with us, burksbeat.com, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. We're hitting some uh, some picks with uh, some gambling, college football, and the NFL. Danny, quickly, what's the other game you like this weekend? What are you zeroed in on? All right, so I'll briefly talk about one because I know Elijah's going to be hitting on it funny, but I'm actually trusting his Broncos once again despite some blowing that last time I bet them against the aforementioned Washington Commanders. Uh, long story short, look, Russell Wilson has actually been a very efficient quarterback, despite what your eyes are telling you. And Zach Wilson, while, yes, he had a really solid performance in prime time, I think he comes back down to earth enough. I know it's the worst defense in the NFL in Denver, but, again, long story short, I think they're in a good spot there. The other game, though, that I do like, that I have a, maybe a little bit more reasoning to trust of here is the Patriots. On a short money line price, minus 108. 
Yeah, they're banged up without Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon, but they're bringing in J.C. Jackson, the former Patriot. They traded with him from the Chargers who weren't playing him at all. But you go through some of these metrics, and the Patriots actually have a little bit better defense than the Saints. And New England has had the second toughest strength of schedule up to this point, while the Saints have had the second easiest. Yet the Saints only have one more win. Their cards look incredibly underwhelming, still a little bit banged up. I get the rumblings about Matt Jones and what's been happening with him and teammates and coaches, but look, Bill Belichick has the big coaching advantage, and despite what people are saying about Matt Jones, the way Derek Gard's been playing hasn't been that much better than him as at this point. Big discrepancy with the offensive red zone efficiency. Saints are dead last at only 33%. Patriots are over 62%. I thought that was pretty fascinating to see as well. So it should be a narrow margin in terms of the spread, which we're seeing, but enough to still warrant a play on an affordable money line price with New England at home. Danny, last thought here about 30 seconds. MLB Division Series getting going this weekend. I think the first one uh, gets going at noon on Saturday. And I want to get your thoughts on any series prices that you like or maybe any uh, Game 1 lines that you like. Yeah, I think Baltimore and Texas is going to be a really fun series to watch because Baltimore with the inexperience in the postseason, is that going to translate? And is Texas's poor pitching we saw a year finally going to live up to that? So that what I may just wait for the first game and then look to attack it. But, man, that Philadelphia and Atlanta series is going to be awesome. I mean, the way that Philadelphia Stadium was erupting last night and the night before was incredible. And uh, there may be some plus money prices you can kind of, you know, nitpick more so on a game-to-game basis with the Phillies because do I really want to go against Atlanta for the series? No, I mean, the team is just outstanding. So I think in terms of a game-by-game approach, that's how you want to look at the Phillies. Otherwise, I still don't buy the Twins. Houston, uh, Houston should take care of business. And then the Dodgers will take care of business against the Diamondbacks, too. So uh, that is probably something you'd maybe want to bet on the series spread with both of those teams. Something to where you're not doing the outright series price and laying so much chalk and thinking these uh, teams could win by more than one game in terms of that series spread. Daddy Burke, BurksBeat.com. Daddy Burke 5 on Twitter is where you follow. Daddy, thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time here on a Thursday, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herdat Sports, and it's Elijah Herbal taking you through the last couple minutes of the show today. Schmitty MIA. Uh, we'll hear from him tomorrow from the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. That's where we'll be from 4 to 6. Also be watching the game, Nebraska-Illinois, from the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. So come up and uh, say hi. Say what up. Buy us a beer. Maybe we'll buy you one. Uh, so have a good time up there tomorrow for Nebraska and Illinois. We'll also have our post-game show, the Real Red Reaction Show, live on site from the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. It's going to be Chris Schmidt and myself taking you through the show tomorrow as well as a couple of our friends from the morning on uh, KFOR here locally. That is Will Wilson and Bill Hooks, as uh, they're going to join us for the Real Red Reaction Show, and we'll get our friend from 96 Kicks, JP, involved as well. So that's what's coming your way tomorrow. Come see us at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill next to Cabela's up in La Vista. Today on the show, you can check it out in podcast form. We had plenty as uh, Brandon Vogel kicked off the show with us today. We got a little bit into that Cornhusker schedule for 2024 and beyond released today. We hit that a little bit harder at the 425 segment and then here in hour two, 
We had Gary Barnett, longtime coach at Colorado and Northwestern. Uh, he talked the importance of Nebraska's game tomorrow night. We also took a rapid-fire look around the weekend slate of college football. And then Dean Blevins, he joined to talk Nebraska and Oklahoma. We also got a little bit into Matt Rule's rebuild here at Nebraska, but Texas and Oklahoma was the focus of that. And then Danny Burke dropped some dimes for us. As uh, If you're heading down to the Sportsbook this weekend, highly encourage you to check out our segment with Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets. He lays out the weekend of betting every single week with us. We can't thank him enough. Uh, check him out as well. Burksbeat.com is where you can find some of Danny's best betting plays every single week. Or again, the easy option, if you prefer it in audio form, is to listen to Burke's Best Bets every single week here on Hale Varsity Radio. So that's what we had today. If you missed anything from the show today, all of those segments and the whole show are going to be available in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. That is Apple, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, uh, you can ask Alexa to play Hail Varsity Radio, really whatever you want to do to get the podcast version, you can check it out that way. Also, check us out on the YouTube stream, Hail Varsity's YouTube page, where you can get involved with the comment section, as uh, we've had plenty of people chiming in today. In the comment section, we thank them uh, endlessly for their support of Hail Varsity Radio. As I kind of always say here, we do this show for you, the people. So if you have any notes for us, anything you'd like to change, just want to leave us a review, give us five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever you think, give us a review. That's what pays the bills. So we thank you so much for doing that. One final note here to bring is uh, I don't like talking about weather until we're 24 hours out. We've reached 25 hours out from kickoff between Nebraska and Illinois. So I think uh, I am allowed to do this right now. The weather forecast tomorrow night in Champaign is some classic fall Big Ten weather as we're looking at low 50s for kickoff between Nebraska and Illinois. Might even reach the high 40s before the end of the game. And Matt Rules talked a lot about how much he wants his style of football to be able to translate into the cold, nasty weather in the Big Ten. It's not as nasty as it could get before early October. High 40s is on the chillier side of things. That's what the weather forecast is looking like tomorrow night in Illinois. A uh, heavy dose of running the football, I think, is to be expected. I think we'll see both quarterbacks. We'll get our full game preview tomorrow. Again, that's 4-6 to six from the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. We will see you there as Schmitty will rejoin us. I'll be up there. We'll be getting wings. We'll be getting appetizers. We'll be getting just about everything as well as maybe a couple of beers. So that's where we'll be tomorrow, and that's whenever we'll talk to you again with Hail Varsity Radio presented by our friends at Herdat Sports. A Herdat Media Production.